podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Well, that was a good one. No Mark Smith, nothing to do with him not being here that we had so much fun, but uh, Mark will miss you. He's in America for a couple of weeks. Uh, guests were regular Gareth Dobson and Chris Duncan made his debut. Good to have you on here, Chris. Thanks, mine. Yeah, it was nice. We just what do we chat about for you? Were you as being a Leeds fan? Largely Leeds chat for me. Largely yeah. Leeds. Largely Leeds. Mm. Touching on uh, a little bit of Spurs for you, Gareth. Plus yeah. jumped on the anti soul shot bandwagon, that's getting busy. It's so busy. So busy. People so, just hanging off it. Yeah, if you you know, all everyone getting behind Soul Scar, well now we're just gonna sweep the leg and kick him back down. Oh, we decided lost. Eden Hazard was very good at football. Hazard, Mark chipped mm. in, but Hazard better than Salah? Well, uh, let us know, uh, or don't, but uh, enjoy the pod. Gentlemen, it's great to have you on. Uh, I'll introduce my guest. It's Whistleblower Regular. You could call yourself now Gareth Dobson. I'll take that. Yeah? Yeah. Hi. Good man. It's good to have you back to to mull things over, particularly with your team doing so well this week. Uh, The Spurs winning 4-0 on the early kickoff. Uh, but new whistleblower guest, first time, fresh fish, Mr. Chris Duncan. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Good to have you here. Good to have fresh off the, literally fresh off the boat from Scandinavia. Yeah. What have you been doing out there, Chris? The company Gosh. I work for, um, we bought a company in Scandinavia, so I went out to help there um, and drink very expensive beers. Yeah, so I hear. And it's probably worth noting that both you and Gareth, it's very kind of music mogul centric. You both, you guys work in the music industry, so I'm sure there's mirrors to the football industry of how. I like to think so. I mean, Chris, you're very much the Norwegian league of things. Have you been keeping an eye on things in the. Uh Norge Division? The Elite Syrian. Well, it only started two weeks ago, so no. But I did go to Norway versus Sweden, and that ended 3-3. Oh, wow. And the quality of football was at best League One. Probably more like League Two, to be fair. You're in the wrong room to start slagging that off, I'm not slagging it off. I'm just saying. The strikers were on form, clearly. (laughs) Well recovered. Uh, Well, um, we'll be hearing more about lower league football in a bit. No offence, Chris. Chris, being a Leeds fan, um, the championship really hotting up this weekend but we'll start with the Premier League where we always start um, and Friday night games which seem about a week a week ago yeah. in all things considered it's ridiculous how quickly they age but um, yeah Newcastle Leicester I think worth acknowledging let's say there Chris yeah I mean you watched that one I did I did I watched it after a few points so it's a little bit hazy but what I'll say is the goal that Newcastle scored was was top quality it was a looping header of the keeper, and yeah, I thought I thought that Leicester were really poor as yeah. well. I feel like they're they're on the beach now. Yeah. Well, Rafa. I mean, let's give credit to Rafa. Rafa's done a hell of a job there with literally nothing, considering Mike Ashley took another hit with Debenhams this week. It's that was quite nice to see, but I'm sure that's not. I don't know how that's going to impact on Newcastle. But uh, Rafa saved them, Gareth. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, of him? he's he's obviously done phenomenally well. And I, I think he'd obviously given the team the big win this one and we're good, just go out and, and get the three points. And, and and they looked really sharp. And I think, you know, Rondon's strike against the bar from the free kick was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Rondon's had a lot of praise in the last few months, and rightly so, but Iosi Perez, I think, has been equally as efficient um, as a sort of forward for them all season. Uh, he, he lost his place initially, I think, to Rondon, and, and then... They've managed to work a way to get both of them into the team. And I think it's been 
It's been very effective. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what the team looks like next season, which, yeah, I mean, given the status quo, will probably look exactly the same. Um, Benitez has only got, I guess, a few games left on his contract, and he's. it looks like he really wants to stay, which I guess kind of baffles me, but he seems to have a huge loyalty to the clubs that show the same amount of love back. He obviously had it with, uh, yeah. with Liverpool and before that Valencia, and it's, it, it's maybe a bizarre bargaining position with Mike Ashley. I mean, you know, Mike Ashley obviously drives a hard bargain. If he gets that whiff that Benitez will probably stay, then he's not going to offer him much back. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out over the season. Yeah, you make, uh, an, in, well, you make yeah. a, a interesting point in the fan bases and the loyalty there. But yeah, sorry, Chris, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say Perez is an interesting one because it feels like a couple of years ago, he was being linked, to, linked with the likes of Barcelona, wasn't he? And he's, I feel like he's quietly become a very, very good Premier League player. Yeah. Like, under the radar. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if... I mean, like, what would be a, a move for Perez? Because he, is he one of those strikers that's, you know, like, when players at Watford do well or when players at, you know, what's the move for them? Is it a legitimate move to a decent top four, top six club? Or is it a sideways to an Everton? I'm not sure, but obviously he could move back to his homeland. Um, Where is that? Spain. Where is that? I think he's from the Canary Islands, actually. I was going to say, you know, it screams off to West Ham, but that's where he came from. There you go. He sounds like (laughs) He didn't come from West Ham? No, I think they signed him from Spain. Okay. Yeah. But um, we'll come back to that because it's this kind of insight that raises sharp insight. Oh, Listen, if we knew stuff. the transfer history of Jose Perez, then um, perhaps we did our jobs too well. Yeah, correct. Absolutely for for what we're getting paid. Um, well, let's not dwell too long on that game because there's much better things to be talking about this weekend. With all due respect to uh, Newcastle and Leicester. Um, the title, the title chase is a proper old-fashioned ding dong now, and the teams that are up. Well, the teams, not just the teams that are up there, but the players that are delivering for them are at their very peak. We saw Salah and Kevin De Bruyne, two incredible performances this weekend. Did you watch either of the games? Yeah, I watched both. I I thought that um, uh, Liverpool, they were quite different. I guess, you know, Liverpool absolutely hit them in the spell of a couple of minutes and then looked a little rocky, actually. I thought Chelsea had their chance. Chelsea played well. and it's that thing where Liverpool were kind of dragging themselves over the line every match, this kind of combination of sort of, I guess it's this sort of vim and vigor, this emotional kind of drive, whereas Man City is just turning up and gently dissecting teams. They don't even really like they're breaking much of a sweat. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and whether one's going to have more of an impact than the other. But I mean, City as much as I think it, Liverpool's the more exciting of the two in terms of their games. It feels like after every win, they're congratulating each other and hugging each other. That Southampton yeah. game last week felt like this big moment. This felt like another big moment. And, you know, for City, there's this kind of slightly lesser sense of, oh, well, they just want another one. They just want another one. And I, I, I suspect but, you know, City's way of doing it might end up winning out. Well, it feels like, listen, we discussed this last week, it feels like Liverpool are working harder for the victories, but also since last week's pod, that was unpicked straight away because we said Tottenham could get at them and that's exactly what they did. And when you see that kind of slight weakness in City... You can see anyone exploiting it. You know, you could even see Watford exploiting it in the FA Cup final. You're just like, this There's this is a team to be got at. Definitely. And, and the next away game is at Man United as well, which will be the one that um, that decides the title, I think. Um, 
That's well, going to be absolutely massive. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, City and Liverpool are in the public eye all the time. It's, it, you know, it, it's unavoidable and fair play. And look, we could talk about them all night. But let's, while we're on United, I think it's a nice segue. Because uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, the, the laying it on thick about Man United to the level of, you know, industrial lacquer. You know, the guy was just like, you know, it's, and he's even doing it again this week, isn't he, with the, the Barcelona spiel and I read about Miguel Delaney saying it's wearing a wee bit thin in the press conferences. What was that you saw this week about his... Um, basically, he said that he wasn't worthy of parking in, in the manager's parking spot at Old Trafford because, or at Carrington, whichever it was, because he felt that was Alex Ferguson's, or <laughs> Sir Alex, as we should refer oh. to him. Through gritted teeth. Well, you don't have to. You're a Leeds fan. Chris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fergie. It's, that's that's respect enough. Yeah, the fact it that is. you've uttered it in that way. It is, and and yeah, it's it is just laying it on too thick. I think, and he's <laughs> he's playing to the chorus though, isn't he? Because he he knows that he has to be very pally with the crowd and the fans, and. I think he's maybe taking it a bit too far. Well, is he exposing his... Because this is the thing, if you make it all about that, at what point are you going to look at him and say tactically... Again, this is the thing, a lot of journalists, a lot of pundits have gone and said, well, you know, he's he's tactically been naive. So was it a too quick a decision for Man United to secure him? Because everyone got caught away, caught up with it, didn't we? It was like a crest yeah. of a wave. Won, it was six it, or seven games yeah. and they looked good, but... Uh, it was a decision they didn't have to make until the summer. That, that I think that's the most baffling thing. They nobody else was really in for him. It seemed like he wanted the job desperately. So, you know, like going back to the the Raf and Mike Ashley thing, they had all the chips in the bargaining. Um, the argument was if you get your manager in now, going into the summer, then you're settled. You could enact your transfer policy. Their their chief executive who. You know, has had enough brickbats for not being particularly good. Probably needs as much time and uh, you know help as as he can get. But I mean, going back to the whole kind of stick thing, it does kind of feel like you know when your granddad your granddad tells you stories about the war and you're like, I've heard this one. You tell me this one yeah, every yeah, time yeah, you come exactly. round. Um, how many you know, how many references can you make to you know that night in Barcelona before you just become Clive Tilsley? Yeah, and you know, oh, I I know how to talk to subs because I was a sub for ages. Yeah. It's like, come on, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's like you were a ruthless little finisher and he was he's, a brilliant player, but don't give it that twee nonsense. Yeah, he's becoming a parody of himself, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit. And I mean, it's easy for us to say this. I remember... Um, I had when I was living in Manchester playing for Macclesfield we had we kind of had a, a flurry of Man United players that came very periphery fringe players that ended up at, my, uh, at Macclesfield so we ended up getting the odd player uh, ticket so the odd comp so we were driving and one of the lads I was with this guy called Colin Heath who I will name check because he was hilarious um, he knew the car park guy so well he was like come on we'll just drive in I was in my old battered Ford Focus and he just kept going and we were like five minutes before kickoff. he goes come down this way and we drove around this, the back of the houses through Trafford kind of industrial estate and we turned up at this place and there was like a steward there and there was no one else around he was like on you go so we went through went, went through got right next to Old Trafford and parked in the players car park next to all these ridiculous there was like not in Fergie's spot hopefully well this is it this is it I was like going well if they'll let my car in he gives a he gives a toss who parts there. the best thing was when everyone left the car park like we were stuck in traffic but the players almost had this little kind of back cave run out and Fabian Barthez we saw that he was on social media within like 
two hours he was in Paris at the time because he I was like it took us two hours to get out of the car park at Man United it was a nightmare getting back through Charlton and and, uh, they have this kind of little rat run that he went down in his twat car and uh, just got to the airport in Manchester and then you know but uh, we've all got Man United uh, player car park stories I'm sure oh yeah so so what you're saying is Solskjaer should be getting any parking spot available to him it's not an easy park across three if I was him yeah yeah there you go Um, well Again, we'll uh, come on to Leeds in a little bit. It seems like a nice uh, segue from from Man United because that's the perfect. The per- oh, hang on a minute, I've got a missed call from our want away. Yep, Mark Smith, our want away oh, co-host. Still, he? Yeah, he's still he's still pestering. Hang on, we'll have a listen. This is the Vodafone voicemail service for the whistleblowers. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Martin. Hi, um, whoever's co-hosting. If there is a co-host, there might not be. Uh, But definitely hi, Martin, and hi, whistleblowers. Sorry I can't be with you. I'm currently literally about to take off to go on my holidays. Um, Mainly, I want to say that despite everything yesterday, uh, I would still take Hazard over Salah every day of the week. Um, I think he's a more complete player. I think he has a higher ceiling than Salah. I think he performs better in games when he's not playing well than Salah does in the same situation um, and I think he just has a higher a higher ability there's a reason why Real Madrid want him um, and not Salah and I think that says a lot uh, so despite those two misses which yes I appreciate Salah would have taken um, I would still take him so I mean feel free to discuss that as you wish I'll be up 38,000 feet in the air um, probably crying at a rom-com yeah. All right. Cheers. Bye. Well, particularly hot take there, as usual, from Mark Smith. Uh, the comment that no one else wants to make after a game like that. But would you agree with him? That's quite a controversial one. Yeah. Or is it? Is it? I'm not sure it's that controversial. I think um, any other day, any other match day of the season this year, I think you would have probably have said Hazard over Salah. Obviously, yeah. last season it would be the reverse. But yeah, I mean, Hazard has been unplayable. At, most games this season, especially that game uh, a couple of weeks ago, was it against West Ham? Yeah. When he basically like slalomed through the entire defence. And like Salah's, Salah's goal the day was, was great, but I mean, it was just a the way that he caught it rather than, um, you know, dancing through the defence. I think there's there's more skill in the in the latter that's incredibly harsh you're welcome here Chris this is great <laughs> uh, that seems uh, Gareth that seems pretty that's tough it's a bit um, of a sledgehammer do you, have, <laughs> do you have to separate the two can you not just say Salah's finish was amazing but listen Hazard is someone that I'd prefer to have in my team would you, would, um, you, would you have him in your team I'd definitely not over Lucas I'd Mora. have Hazard over any other player in the premiership apart from maybe Kevin De Bruyne um, I think they're they're the best two, and they've been the best two for a few years now. Um, yeah. It'll be a shame if and when you assume that Hazard leaves. I mean, I say as a Spurs fan, I'll be dancing on the streets, but uh, I, you know, I think people forget that Hazard's been at Chelsea for seven years, and he's only had one poor season. Mm. Um, he's he's been phenomenally consistent. Mm. So uh, I, I think if Chelsea had done a better job of putting a team around him, especially in terms of a striker. I think they could have done even more than they achieved. I mean, he, he won two titles with with Chelsea, which isn't to be sniffed at. Oh. So uh, I think when he leaves for Real Madrid, he can do it with his, uh, his head held high, give well, or take assaulting a ball boy. Well, maybe not even the best 
player of his position this weekend with Lucas Moore. Let's come back to that, Leeds and Lucas, because yes. I think that deserves a revisit. We seem to gloss over that quite quickly. So uh, join us after the break. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Some lovely messages there, some products that I'd love to get and great some segue. things I'd love to listen to. Really good. Yeah. Did, you, did you enjoy those things? Lovely things. They were great, weren't they? I um, bought them all. Uh, Leeds and Lucas, let's, let's, let's talk. Let's do it in that order. Um, I want to st- Well, no, actually, let's do it in the other order because I want to finish with the Premier League. Uh, Lucas Mora, Saturday, what? Talk to me. I missed the game. So he... I was in Ikea. Well, I mean... You, I genuinely was. It was traumatic. In fairness, you probably didn't miss much. Huddersfield have been dreadful for, I guess, for a, well, a season. But, uh, yeah, Spurs, <laughs> it, was, it was quite impressive. It's the sort of game where I think sometimes they get a little unstuck. But, I mean, they really just swatted Huddersfield aside. Um, Wanyama came in and, and, and had a good game, had a lovely finish, waltzed round the keeper in a way that I never thought I'd see him Has do. Has he got anything to offer the team still? Is this the death throws? Is this the... Yeah, I, I, I think it, it's a shame. He's he's a very good player, but he's had so many injuries now um, and he never seems to be able to stay fit for more than, I mean, five or six games in a row. And he always seems like the sort of player who needs to build up a head of steam and play a bunch of games before he really has an impact. You know, he was very good a couple of years ago, but um, so I, I would be... Worried if he was a starting player on Wednesday against City, uh, but obviously the star was uh, was was Lucas Moura, who, you know, he's that, you know, he he's your Audi version of uh, Eden Hazard. He, he Audi Eden. He That's flickers. Great. He flickers brightly. He's he he's probably almost as talented. He just can't produce it consistently. And you know, he had that fantastic game against uh, Manchester United at the start of the season. Scored twice. I think he won Player of the Month, which was maybe a little generous or great data point. Either that or it just was a very slow start to the season. But yeah, it was three three great finishes. The the last one was one of those lovely emphatic hits across the key top corner. And um I mean I, I think it makes Spurs fans optimistic they can do well with him and without Harry Kane. I, I guess the biggest problem is now he's had a couple of good league games in a row that he played well against Liverpool mm. a couple of weeks ago. And it's very rare to see Lucas Moura have more than two good games in a row. And, and that's why he you know, went to PSG, but that's also why he, he left PSG. Well, how, how old is Moura? Because he looks absolutely ancient. He does. He looks like 45. I think he's only he's 26. Like a, he's like wow. a pair. He should be in his prime. He's had a rough life. Clearly. He really has. Although it was very sweet. There was... Uh, shots of him playing, having kick about on the pitch after the game with his uh, his young son, oh. and uh, well, it could have been his grandson, frankly. <laughs> um, but uh, that that was very sweet. So I, I think, yeah, it was nice. And you know, the the win against Huddersfield, it was probably actually might turn out to be quite a key victory for Spurs because uh, with Chelsea losing, uh, it puts Spurs back firmly in control of their own top four place. Uh, beyond the City game next week, they have four very winnable games and uh, quite possibly they can lose the City, win the other four and, and be fine. With, you know, it's, it's an interesting point, time of the season for them, certainly. And uh, yeah, with some of the games coming up, I mean, it's a huge next 10 days for the, for the league mm. and for Tottenham in particular. Looking to the Championship, and it's a rare pleasure to be able to do so, um, 
mainly because Chris is a Leeds fan, but also you were there and there was some twists and turns in the league that are worth talking through. For sure. I mean, it was just classic, classic championship action on Saturday. So I was in a pub before the game because obviously Sheffield United kicked off before Leeds and they had Sky Sports News on. So obviously every time Jeff Stelling cut to Alan McAnally, obviously like exasperated every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first time was when Billy Sharp went off with an injury. Massive cheer went up in the in the bar, obviously. Yeah. Um, classy lot as Leeds fans. And um, and then Millwall got a penalty. Um, and if you get a chance, watch the, the replay of the penalty because, or the penalty incident, because basically their defender leaps up like a salmon <laughs> and, and almost catches the ball on the line. Um, and then basically falls with his head in, head in, his, uh, in his hands. Then the Mil- Stephen Taylor. Do we call that the Stephen Taylor? Is that yeah, what it's, it's officially Taylor, known yeah. as? Pretending that like, you yeah. know, you've got some Something else, mortal head it's injury. It's obvious that it isn't. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, he saved a, a certain goal with like five minutes to go. And obviously would have been a, a huge thing if they'd held out. Millwall missed the penalty. They hit the bar. Um, so Sheffield United thought they got off the hook there. But then Millwall scored with a header in the 96th minute. Um, wow. So obviously the place erupted at Ellen Road then. Um, Sorry, very quickly. Is there a certain particular delicious irony that it was Mill or a team who you leads hate deeply who actually gave you a leg up against your Yorkshire rival Sheffield United? Absolutely. And, and that narrative then continued because we played Sheffield Wednesday, um, whose fans presumably wanted us to win because they don't really have anything to play for. They were on the... They could just about squeak into the playoffs, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, How did you get on against them? So we played them with a 5.30 kickoff and we beat them 1-0. We absolutely battered them for the entire game. And I think we had about 30 shots and we scored once. Which, one thing that I'll say about Bielsa's team this year, we've not been very good at converting all our chances. We've been quite goal shy of late. Yeah. Um, but very solid at the back and... Wednesday barely created a chance second half, which is testament to um, to how well we were set up. And and the other thing with Bielsa's teams is when you get to one nil, you don't sit back and defend. His it's it's a cliche, but he considers the best form of defence attack. So he will just. We had our left back in the centre forward position in the ninety fifth minute, <laughs> and everyone was screaming at him, "Get, get back, back, get Who back!" Who's your left? Who's your left back? Jani Alioski. He was in fact a winger, and he wears a number ten shirt. So it's. <laughs> I love it. It's very yeah. It's yeah. It's it's very sensible soccer. Uh, yeah. I love it. It is. It is. Um, so, sorry, we were talking about Lucas Moura earlier, and I've had this question, a burning question. As a Leeds fan, who is the greatest Lucas? Is it uh, John Lucas, uh, or is it Lucas Radibi? John Lukic, you mean? John Lukic. Oh, shit, that ruins the... It, it does a little bit, but obviously Radebay every time. Well, it's a good job. I've got a John Lukic story, isn't it? Please. So Excellent. when I was, at, I was at Grimsby, I moved up there and the chairman was so tight, he was like, gave me relocation. But again, I didn't really read my contract properly. He gave me a week's relocation when it's normally you get like a month. So I was in this hotel for a week and then they just turfed me out and I was like, oh, I've got nowhere to live. So I went and lived in these digs with some of the youth team players. And our youth team goalkeeper was John Lukic Jr., right? And John Lukic Jr. was, he just had this massive, great sort of almost like bison head, the same as his dad, just the hair, big, thick thatch of hair. He hated football. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. He he was a really good keeper. He was like kind of long-limbed, you know, 
but he just he just had an air about it. He was like, well, I don't want to be here. And he used to just always watch like science documentaries, really clever, wow. really studious. And I well, would that, just that went down well in the dressing room. Well, we kid it because we lived in the same days together, didn't we? So I was just like, John, you, uh, yeah, you, you might want to keep that. Then <laughs> we don't like no brains around here, boy. Um, but no, it was great. He was a lovely kid. But I remember, I remember his dad turning it because his dad, but in turn, then came and did some coaching sessions with the goalkeeper crew, and it was just like. It's just funny seeing like a Russian doll of John Lukic there, there kind of getting coached and ra- what a random encounter. And even more, and another random encounter for John Lukic when at the end of my career, when I was traveling over to Chesterfield on the, t- on the tops, John Lukic lived in this little village outside of Chesterfield and we were coming in, we'd come over the tops on the like Snakes Pass or the Woodhead Pass, um, if you know the roads across, windy roads. And we'd always wait because you can never get signal as you're coming over. So you, you'd be out of signal for two hours, you'd get over and all your stuff would come through. But also his house was on as you came back into signal. And if you turned it on, it once come into John Lukic Wi-Fi. Oh. So we were like, we're near John Lukic's house. <laughs> but like Narnia, we never actually found it. And every time he came over the hill, we'd always check our phones to go, is anyone, and occasionally it would kick Has into John Lukic. anyone got Lukic's Wi-Fi? Has anyone got Lukic's Wi-Fi? And we could, you know, it might, listen, it might have been someone that calls their Wi-Fi, John Lukic Wi-Fi, but... Just an avid fan. Listen, yeah, there's there's plenty more in the Lukic tank. It's very uh, goalkeeper-centric stories tonight. How, how does that dynamic work on the, on the in the um, training ground? If, you you know, you've got your dad there, is it is it a bit like, you know, a, a weird kind of like school ground, like People playground mentality? It, yeah. It's weird... I suppose it would matter if the if the player was playing. Well, if someone's doing well or if someone's there and you can take the piss out of them. But John, because the junior was a quiet lad and no one really gave him a hard time. And you're not sure. going to give him a hard time because he's a what, for a fourth or fifth choice keeper. You've got like your pros there and he's a young sure. lad. So it was a kind of situation where you're like going, ah, you know. You put your arm around but it. You, but also the fact his dad was a legend, True. an Arsenal legend and a Leeds legend. So you can't, Amber was always kind of like, that's John Lukic over there. Yeah, yeah. So... You but know, if his, if his quite son a hard was, name to wear, though, if that's sure. their position. But if his son was a gobshite, you would have given him loads of stick. Oh, without a doubt. Perfect. And we probably gave him loads of stick anyway. I'm just blocking yeah. it out. Fair. You know, just some kind of Stockholm Syndrome or whatever it is. Um, so, uh, let's... Uh, Stockholm Syndrome? Not Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, more Leeds chat. Uh, where were you on the way back? You bumped into someone. Yeah, so on the train back to... Um, to London uh, on the next table over was uh, Andrea Raziani who's the owner of oh, Leeds were you first class again were you first class well it was, it's 25 were quid you to a grade fr- on, the, oh, on, a, on a weekend God, he's it's not- gone up from 15 outrageous I know it's, it's broken Britain first class Chris I know I know someone's doing alright what an idiot um <laughs> And yeah, and he was he was avidly watching the uh, the Wigan game, the Wigan Norwich game on the on free Wi Fi. No, no, yeah, free Wi Fi. Like, so you, if you can manage to get anything. free Wi Fi off that. He's done well. Yeah, you, you definitely. He was definitely on four G, and his four G was right, way yeah. better than mine. I don't know what he's got. He's got some kind of like First class Freemasons Wi Fi. Um, but yeah, and and obviously uh, Wigan. Well, not obviously, but Wigan were leading, um, and Norwich equalised late on. But um, you know he. He was looking pretty happy with himself because obviously that draws Norwich back into the title race. So we're currently four points behind Norwich and then Sheffield United are three points behind us. So it's very much all to play for with four games to go. But that's, I mean, the idea of Leeds being back in the Premier League is pretty it's pretty great. It's exciting. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I would buzz off that. It makes me tumescent for sure. I, I can see that, Chris. I can, <laughs> I can smell it from here. Um, but... Yeah, so I guess. Well, I was gonna, but but the the tables will turn very quickly. So I think right now, 
that there's this sort of air of Simfield, this air of, oh, go on, Leeds, you know, you've had it bad for so long. It will take two games in the top <laughs> flight before be everyone decides they absolutely hate Dirty Leeds again. Leeds there will again. be some kind of horrific scandal that engulfs the club oh, yeah. as soon as we get promoted. You have a very interesting chairman, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we got an extremely rich benefactor this summer mm-hmm. who has very dubious human rights. Uh, well, let's, that's not something for the podcast, but fit and proper. As always, the Premier League, uh, hallowed be thy name. I'm, sure, the they're, champ, I'm sure they're fit and proper. Indeed. Uh, like Joey Barton as a football manager. Yeah, uh, that as well. I mean, it's, Chris, you're really being controversial here today, but um, Joey Barton, listen, until, um, until the facts are out, you know, the other guy might have had a cut face and he might have a, yeah, yeah. a broken hand. He fell down we the don't stairs. know what happened. We just, we can't possibly know what happened. The Lee uh, Chapman defence. <laughs> Re- I mean, we're just about getting away with it now. Uh, Premier League, other games, it's that time of the season, Gareth, where games just don't really seem to register. They don't- no. So Fulham won. Did you know that? that- Fulham won. I only know that because Everton... Sorry, Fulham fans. Because Everton had beat Chelsea, and then they went and beat Arsenal, and then they went and lost to Fulham, which is... I don't know whether what, whether that's more Fulham-y <laughs> to win that or more Everton-y <laughs> to lose it. Oh, I like um, it. Yeah. I mean, they're they're both on the beach. I, I, I expect Everton's a slightly nicer <laughs> vacation spot this year. Um, Fulham's a volcanic ash, so uh, yeah, it's really you know, it's so, not great. Yeah, it's just it's a, a yoga retreat with no booze, all pebbles. It's on yeah. the river at least. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, they won't. But yeah, good for Scott Parker. It's he's a decent man and a. Yeah, in a, in, in a tough spot, and it's nice to see him get a win. I, I'm not sure if talking. he's. Oh yeah, I'm not Talk sure him. he's a long term. Maybe uh, he's going to do a reverse Solskjaer. Well, if, uh, listen oh, yeah. for next week. If Southampton do well, we're definitely talking about them because they just get better and better and funner and funner to watch. And I do, I do love Southampton. They're going to be a thing next year. Yeah. When yeah. I say a thing, I mean you, like top nine. You heard it here first. Listen, Gareth, brilliant to have you back. Hope we have you on again soon. Thank you very much. And Chris Duncan, lovely debut. Hope to have you on again soon as well. Thanks, mine. That was the Whistleblowers. Cheers. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.